Hello. Spelt my name wrong. <laughs> and unlike Liam, I turned the mic on. So tonight's Bible reading comes from Hebrews 5, verse, one second. Hebrews 5, verse 11 to 14, and then through 6, verses 1 to 3. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the world of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, and for those who have their powers of discernment trained by the constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of instructions about washings, the layer on of hands and the resurrecting of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Well, good evening, one and all. It's good to be here again, uh, bringing the word to you. And uh, obviously, we're starting a new series this evening, and uh, it's going to be quite a short series. We've got a four-week series uh, simply titled Growing Up. Uh, it's what we should all be doing until that day when we stand before God in His presence and in His glory, when we will finally be perfected. But until that day, we should be looking at maturing and growing up in our faith. So we've got four weeks of this, and we've got another four-week series, which we'll do. And uh, this evening, I'm just giving an overview of the passages that we will be looking at. And in the coming weeks, we will actually look at a few things in greater detail. So... Uh, I hope you enjoy this. I hope that there's something that God says to you, and uh, I hope that we are all drawn closer to God as a result. So, as we look at this series in growing up, um, we'll focus on repentance and faith, baptism and laying on of hands, and the last week will be the resurrection and the eternal judgment. So, we've got three weeks after this week to do that. And as I say, the message tonight's basically an intro, which is going to cover all those topics and what we've actually read this evening. Let's just pause and pray. Father God, I thank you so much that we can be gathered in this place. I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. It's a word that goes beyond our comprehension, Lord. It's a true and living word. And Lord, because it's a living word, I know it can change lives. And that's what we ask for this evening, that we will be changed, that we'll be drawn closer to you, that we'll have a desire to know you more. So Lord, speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think the first thing that we actually get out of this passage of Scripture as we read it is that there is actually a call for us to grow. And uh, I, I think that when we come to faith, we've had that first encounter with Jesus. You know, we talk about that. You've heard me say a thousand times or more. You know, we, we recognize that need of a Savior to, and we find Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we're moved into that right relationship with Him. That's our justification. Going from being of the world to being of God. We go from being primarily material to being primarily spiritual. And, and it's our first step in our relationship to Him. And the thing is, a lot of us don't realize that after that first and initial step is the rest of our lives. 
and, and we're living in the now and the not yet. You know, we wait to be perfected. We wait to be glorified in his presence. But between coming to Jesus and that moment, we have our sanctification. And that's where we each and every day set aside our lives for his purposes, for what he would have us to do. And it's a constant putting to death our old selves and those things that would detract us from being all we can actually be for God. We should be making ourselves available to him. And the only way we can actually do that is to dig deep into him, to know him more. And Hebrews 6.1 says, oh, we're in for fun tonight. Let's see if that's the only time it happens. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. And the author's challenge here is, to, is for the readers to correct their present stand or course and move on to maturity. And this call or command comes from his assessment of the reader's present spiritual situation. Think about what he said back in Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. He made it very personal. He said, you have become dull of hearing. You should be teachers, but you need someone to teach you the basic principles. You yearn for milk instead of for solid foods. You are babies when you should be full-grown men and women. And then in Hebrews 6, 1, he begins with this, therefore... What do we do when there's a therefore in Scripture anywhere? Come on, you've heard me say this a thousand times too. You ask what it's there for. And so if there's a therefore, you need to say, well, why is this here? And you need to look back on Scripture and things like that. And so that's what we should be doing in this passage of Scripture. And the thing is, the writer is determined to move his readers from their present state of immaturity to maturity. He's mentioned their immaturity and where they are in life and how they should be so much further on. And so he says, because that's where you are, because you've now acknowledged that, because I've told you about that, we need to move on. We need to be digging into the deeper things of Christ. And it's interesting, as I said, that um, that, that rebuke in Hebrews 5, 11 to 14 is very personal, the you that he says there. And then when it comes into 6, it changes. It suddenly becomes us in 6.1. Therefore, let us leave the elementary things. And the author is including himself in that. The underlying thinking is we never gain full maturity in this life. And so the author who is teaching these Hebrew people is saying, I'm with you. I'm learning with you. I need to mature in Christ as well. And we will continue to do that, as I say, until we stand in God's presence and glory. And the thing is, this isn't an isolated passage of Scripture. This isn't something that is an anomaly. We are called again and again to maturity. And that's just a couple of passages up there. We don't need to read them. But Colossians 1.28 is him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And this is the thinking all through Scripture where we need to present people mature in Christ. We have a responsibility for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to be building each other up. We need to be determined to see people grown each and every moment of each and every day. But back to Hebrews 6.1. The author calls his readers to leave the elementary doctrine, which would seem to be those six foundational things that we've spoken about. And um, that's the repentance, faith in God, baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection and the judgment. And what we really need to understand here is, when we read the translation that we've got, it seems like he's saying to leave those things, have nothing more to do with them, to, to move away from them. But that's not what he's saying at all. These are foundational truths to our faith and they're indispensable. If we don't have these, we don't have Jesus really. 
And so his rebuke in 6.1 is because his readers are very indifferent to actually moving on in their faith. And I think each of us have encountered people who are a bit like this. I've given my life to Jesus, that's all I need to do. Has anyone ever heard that? Yep, I've got three nods of the head. So, but it is a very common thing. And we have people who believe that once they're a Christian, that's all they have to do. And there's no fundamental change in their life. There's no moving on to greater maturity or anything like that. And, and this is what is being rebuked here. He's calling them to a greater level of commitment. He's calling them to count the cost. I think that's in Scripture somewhere too. There is a cost involved in being obedient and submitting all of our life to Christ. And it goes beyond that simplistic statement that I've accepted Jesus and so I'm in. These are foundational truths of our faith. And indeed the faith of these Hebrew readers. And so it's very clear that most people do actually start well. It's true for these Hebrew people. And, and the author points out the foundations that have been laid. And that comes in 6, 1 and 2 again. And the foundational things that are mentioned here are essential to have that right relationship with God. We need to repent. It's something that we should continually talk about in our Christian circles and amongst our Christian peers and things like that. We should be repenting of those things that we've done wrong. And we need to realize that the way we are living or the way that we was living um, was a path that was a path that led to destruction. It wasn't a path that led to a, a time with God. And so we need to turn away from that. We need to turn away from any act of immorality um, or anything that is against God and his principles. And we need to be determined to follow him, to follow his will and purposes for our lives. And so we reorientate our lives to be in line with what he would have us to do and believe all that he says to be true and obey him. And then there's this call to baptism and the laying on of hands, which can mean a number of things. But the very heart of this baptism is, is the fact that we are commanded to be baptized, so we be baptized in obedience to him, but it's symbolic of the spiritual cleansing that we've had when we confessed our sins to Jesus. And the laying on of hands, again, can be a number of things, but just tonight, before we dig into it deeper, let's consider it to be a commissioning of new Christians to a life of maturity in Christ. We pray for everyone who's baptized. Have you noticed that? I love praying for people who are baptized. I think it's absolutely awesome. And then we should pray for several weeks after that because the tempter is going to come and try and lead them away from the life that they've just committed themselves to. So we pray about that. And then we have our belief in the coming resurrection of life uh, that we will experience. You know, death's the final frontier for us. And then we'll have this new life in Christ, a, a life that's going to beyond, go beyond all our comprehension. And Jesus was the first who was raised from the dead. And we will be like him. Says that somewhere in scripture too. And we just got to look forward to that time. And so the Hebrews have accepted these teachings and beliefs. They know it to be true. But for them and many Christians today, that's not just foundational, that's the extent of their faith. That's as far as it goes. And there's been this disconnect between God's intentions for man and women, and how it's been taught, and how these people are living it out. It's a bit like the Galatian church who likewise started so well and then ended up turning away from the freedom they'd experienced in Christ. 
And we're now submitting again to the law. Galatians 3.3 says, Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? And so they've fallen back from what Christ would have them to do. And they're actually including some of the Jewish law in what they're doing and thinking that that is better than what they formerly had. And so Paul rebukes them and says, you're crazy. Why would you do such a thing? And he's trying to get them to shift their attention and focus back to Jesus and the teachings that he gave them. And so the tension and the difficulty, which is evident here, is that, you know, when we take our eyes off Christ, when something else takes his place, we begin the slide. I don't believe we ever stand still as Christians. We're either moving forward or on a downward slide. There's no other way. When we stop pursuing him, when we stop acknowledging all that he has done and all he is doing in our lives, there's only one thing that's going to happen. We're not going to grow spiritually. We'll have a lack of spiritual growth or we'll have stunted growth. And again, I don't believe we stand still. I think we backslide. And um, I know people don't like hearing negative stuff, but if it's in Scripture, we, we have to go with it. We have to learn from it. And there are people who are Christians who are either not growing or they're growing very slowly. Now, some people have legitimate reason for that. I, I really feel for those who can't read. We have a number of people in our congregation who have great difficulty reading. So to read God's Word is very, very hard for them. But I love being able to provide, provide them with CDs of, of Scripture, give them um, links to podcasts when they can't actually listen to scripture and we need to be encouraging each other and Hebrews 5 11, 12 says I think that skipped three didn't it yep all right about this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God you need milk not solid food. And the way this section of Scripture is written is because of the situation or ability of the recipients of this letter to understand the principles being spoken about. He has much to say about this, as referring to the comments prior to this about Jesus being the great high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And this is, of itself, isn't a difficult thing to explain. In fact, he goes on to explain it in chapter 7. But... He sees no point in explaining it to the people at this stage because they've become so dull of hearing. They wouldn't understand because they've hardened their hearts to the teachings of Christ. And so, in this word too, there's, there's a little bit lost in translation. And, and the author is saying the readers are slow to learn. And the original Greek word here that's translated dull, or, or, uh, dull of hearing can mean a number of things, but uh, none of them are complementary. It means sluggish, dull, dimwit, negligent, lazy. I don't think I want anyone to consider me to be any of those things. But it was a term that was used for a slave. Think about the day and the age. It was a term that was used for a slave who wouldn't respond to his master's voice. What could you imagine happening to that slave? I don't think he'd be a slave for much longer. And there weren't too many other options after that. But it also referred to athletes and um, when it described, uh, it, it, this described a competitor who was out of shape, who was lazy, who was sluggish, who didn't put the effort in to become the best he could actually be. And it was also used to refer to people who shirked their responsibilities. If they had something they should be doing and they palmed it off to someone else or simply didn't do it, um, they were considered to be negligent. This was the word that they would have actually used. 
So in context, in this passage of Scripture, the author is rebuking the readers for being lazy in hearing the word proclaimed to them and not doing anything about it, in being negligent, in applying what they hear to their own lives and not appreciate the discipline and commitment that is required in order to grow in Christ. And this is the basis of the warning back in Hebrews 2.1. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. It's in black and white. The people being written to have been told, what you hear, what you read, you need to apply it to your life. And they were particularly frustrating for the author because they've been in the church for a long, long time. These are people who should be teachers, but instead they still need someone to teach them again the basic principles of faith. They didn't get it. They haven't appreciated that it was always intended that they hear that word and apply it to their lives. John 1, and 23 tells us, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. And the warning is clear. So many refuse to acknowledge it. There's a moral failure here of all Christians who do not apply God's word to their lives. The milk drinkers of faith live very, very dangerously. They call themselves Christians, but they have neither an understanding or a desire to go deeper in their faith. And I think Revelation writes about those guys too. This was the church of Laodicea. They once had a passion for the Lord and that had slipped. And this is what the Lord says about them. Because you're neither hot nor cold, I'll spew you from my mouth. That's the literal translation. And so the position that's described in our passage of Scripture tonight is not a good position to be in. The author, by saying that the basics need to be taught again, is showing how far the Hebrews have fallen, how they've backslidden, and how they haven't responded correctly to spiritual teaching and scriptural truth. They're in a position where they have neither a foundation or a deep spiritual conviction. They remain babes in Christ with very little ability and very little desire to defend their faith. And so they end up being swayed by anything that comes their way, every teaching that comes along. And that's what's been happening with them. In all reality, there's only one defense, and that's to establish deep roots. I think this is something that we've talked about before, and uh, it does seem that we regularly cover the same ground, but it is necessary. This stuff needs to be foundational in your life and in my life. And Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. If you truly, genuinely want to grow and develop your faith, you have to develop deep roots. And you establish those deep roots by being obedient to God, by discerning what his word says and applying it to our lives. We can only discern what his word says by digging deeper, by going below the surfeit. And it's about putting into practice those things that we learn. And that is the call to the Hebrew church, the Hebrew believers. And it's the same call to us today. 
but it takes effort. The solid food we should be craving is only suitable for those who who can discern God's word and are constantly practicing and training. Think about what is said in 1 Timothy 4, 7. Have nothing to do with irreverence, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. And the word train here comes from the Greek um, word, which literally means naked. And in ancient Greek, um, the athletes who competed actually competed naked. And the reason they did that was because they wanted to lay aside everything that would hinder them from being the absolute best that they could be. And so anytime you read about athletes in scripture or running towards the prize or anything like that, I want you to have that image in your mind that this is someone who has laid aside everything and and they're running the race without any hindrance whatsoever. They want to be the best that they can be, so they've laid everything aside. The training that they undertook was incredibly strenuous. It took commitment and dedication. And in many ways, they were one-mindedness in what they were doing. And I'm sure if you talk to Terry later about those who are in the World Champion Surf Lifesaving competitions as well, they're not down McDonald's eating burgers the days and weeks before. They're out training and training rigorously. And if they don't, they won't be successful. And so it's this one-mindedness about having winning in mind. And we're told to run the race for the prize. And we have to have that same one-mindedness. And the incredible thing is, Hebrews 12.1 tells us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We are called to do the same. And it's encouraging when you look back on those who've gone before you. I think about those who encouraged me in my younger life and I largely ignored what they said to my detriment, but they're still on the sidelines. They still pray for me. I remember one guy in particular, um, he's since passed and gone to be with the Lord, but uh, I found out many years afterwards that uh, he was praying for me each and every day. There's a number of beautiful old ladies came to me. I, I, I did a guest spot preaching in a church, Little Wesleyan Methodist Church, actually, um, long before I became a pastor. And um, they asked if I knew who they were, and I didn't. But they said that this man had prayed for me nonstop, every prayer meeting, for four years, that they were with him. And he was just praying that God would use me for his presence and for his glory. And uh, these, these are the people whose shoulders we stand upon. You're surrounded by them, even in this place. And there's those who've gone on to be with the Lord who are cheering us on, They want to see us succeed, and the Lord wants to see us succeed as well. And so we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. They want us to be great for Jesus. They really do. And we need to listen to the messages that are being proclaimed. We need to dig into Scripture and hear what it's saying for us individually and apply it to our lives. We need to be praying to God, seeking His will and purpose for us. A trained athlete who wants to compete at the top level will watch what they eat. They'll train and make the tiniest adjustments in order to be the best. They'll avoid people and situations that are detrimental to them achieving the absolute best. We are called to do the same. I wonder... 
what God is calling you tonight, what he's saying to you. Again, we can't just listen to the word that is spoken week in, week out here. We have to apply it to our lives. We can't just read the Bible so that we can tick a checkbox and say, I've done that. We have to dig deeper. And each and every person standing, that's sitting in this place tonight, each and every person that hears my voice, should not be satisfied with where you are today. You should want more. You should want to go deeper with Christ. And in 12 months' time, we should be able to stand in a place and look back and say, God has done so much, challenged me so much this year. And I'm looking forward to the next year because he's going to do the same. We have to desire greater maturity in Christ. That comes from reading his word. It comes from praying. It comes from gathering together with the saints. And allowing Holy Spirit to influence our thinking. I want you to challenge what you watch. I want you to challenge what you read. I want you to challenge the conversations that you're a part of. I want you to challenge the jokes that you laugh at. I want you to challenge your thought processes when it comes to people. I want you to think about whether your thoughts are taken captive and if what you do and say honours our Lord and Saviour. If we were to pause right now and have you one by one come up the front here and tell us about your last 12 months, would you be able to say that you're closer to Jesus now than you were this time last year? Do you believe you have done everything you possibly can to draw closer to him? That you've put in the hard work? That you've taken a few body blows? Because that's what happens when you train. That's what happens when you're dedicated to a cause. Finally, what's God laying on your heart tonight? It's something that I say quite frequently. My words are powerless. I, I can't prompt people to do anything. I can't call people to do anything. But I believe Holy Spirit speaks through his word, through songs, through the messages from the front. And I believe he lays on the heart of each one of us stuff that we need to change, stuff we need to do. So what's he laying on your heart tonight? What's he calling you to do? And are you going to act upon that? It has been said, and I want to apologise if this is true for you, that, well, it's been said to me, so largely it's about me, pastors are unapproachable. I'm sorry if that's your perception of me. I want to help people. I couldn't care less about my reputation. I couldn't care less what the naysayers say about me because there's plenty of those. But I want to help people. And if you need help, I'm available anytime. You just need to contact me. And so I want to ask you, how can I help you? How can we as Christian leaders help you? And what do you need to do in order to see you excel for our God? Because that's what I want. I, I would love, I mean, I suppose retirement's not too far down the road for me, but I would love to reach retirement 
and see all these people who've gone on and done great things for God, far excelling and exceeding anything I ever dreamed for myself. But if you need that help, I need to hear it. I need to know what I can do. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this series that we're looking at. I thank you for the power of your word. And I thank you, Lord, that we will actually be looking at repentance and faith next week. And Lord, I pray we'll think about that between now and then. We'll think about, Lord, what you're calling us to as individuals. And Lord, I want to pray for everyone who's hearing my voice now. Lord, you know the truth of what I've said about being available for people. You know I want to help people, Lord. And so, Lord, if you've spoken to someone this evening, will you just challenge them to make that step of faith? It may be coming forward for prayer, Lord. It may be sending an email or a text message later, Lord. Whatever it is, give them the guts to do that, Lord. And let us grow together. Let us be seeking to be a people who are united in love and care and compassion for each other. And Lord, in 12 months' time, it would be awesome to have a Thanksgiving service here and to talk about the incredible things that have happened in the last 12 months and all that you've done. We submit to you, Lord. We love you. We desperately need more of you. Come and speak to us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.